ladies and gentlemen of the internet, uh, you're welcome back to the On The Rave podcast with me, Gav, and this man next to me. Alrighty. Ah, uh, how's it going? Uh, it's alright. We're here we are, episode four. Episode, yeah. Who'd have thunk it? Aye. So quickly after coming up with the idea as well. Um, just to get it out there early on, you can catch us at, at On The Rave on Twitter, you can catch us at On The Rave on Facebook. And, of course, we are powered by Podbean, which is the best place to tune into our Please like, review, and subscribe. It helps with the shit. And, of course, uh, in in our short history, we always seem to start with some rave. Uh, We're going with another viewer-nominated one. Addy, who picked the tune for today? Uh, Mr. Paul Blackout. He's from Australia, which doesn't exist. (laughs) And uh, he has selected the tune... Uh, Don't go by the awesome three, so let's start off with some old school classic.
And hey, there we go. Yeah. That was played for Paul Blackout from all the way in Australia. That was Don't Go. Big up, Paul. Pop misses you. <laughs> that was released in 1992 on Eternity Records and City Beat. So, we're sat here with another guest. Legendary, legendary man. Massive man on the local scene. Um, uh, across to our right is Mr. Mudplot Bats. Sandy, how's it going? Hello lads, how are you doing? Thanks for having us here. Good, good. Uh, absolute pleasure. Um, do you want to just start by telling everyone a little bit about what you do in the world of music? So, well, I, world of music, um, I like to have fun. That's pretty much what I do. Good. Uh, my vibe is, um, you know, when it comes to playing and performing, um, I just I just want to have a good time. I want to enjoy it. I don't want to get it too serious. I don't want to stroke my chin. Um, and therefore, I like to get on the rave. It's on the rave. Yeah. It, uh, the flip side of that is also I like to see other people get involved and get inspired. So I run a lot of like youth projects and music projects around opening up opportunities, predominantly for young people. But you know, we're not age discriminant. You know, if you've got an idea and a project and you need a little bit of help, I'll do what I can to point you in the right direction. And that's kind of my lot in life. Amazing. Um, uh, you're also a DJ in Newcastle, as I just said, under the alias of Mudford Blaps, you play old school, breakbeat, hardcore, um, hip hop sometimes as well. Yeah, I mean, anything breaks. I love the breaks. I mean, that, that's kind of been my journey, has been through that. So, like, everything from electro to hip hop to nice. jungle and hardcore and, you know, anything like that. It's not to say I'm exclusively breaks. I do like a bit of four and a four now and again, but <laughs> to be honest, yeah, breaks and bass lines, that's, that's my first love. Yeah, cool. Speaking of first loves, why don't we just... Um, oh, that's a, that's a tenuous link. Oh, brilliant, that link. We'll it's, just it's segue if, that it's one a, in. It's as if we've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> we'll segue that one into question one. And as always, Sandy, where you want to know... Early influences. Your early influences. So who was it who listened to music in the house? Where are your early influences coming from? Yeah, I mean, my influences are quite eclectic, really. My dad was obviously a big influence, as I guess, like most parents are for anyone growing up. There's oh, always shit, my, shit dad, music. My, my dad, as we discussed, yeah. was like, he, he introduced me to music, but Addy's a bit disgusted at his yeah. dad's background. I'll be honest, I'm 50-50 with my dad. <laughs> he, he, he listened to a lot of crap, but, you know, there was a lot of good stuff in there as well. See, and, I didn't have that, I just had 100% crap. And for a while I thought it was all crap until I, I sort of got old enough to kind of uh, get start digging through these record boxes and actually found some decent stuff and was like, Dad, why are you never playing this? But on the, the plus side, he, what he did play a lot of was um, a lot of jazz and stuff like that. And so a lot of jazz, gospel, uh, kind of bordering on sort of soul and bluesy kind of stuff. Nice. So I kind of grew up listening and, and, and getting an appreciation for a, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, as I got a little bit older and started digging through the record collection, starting to find you know everything from kind of like the Crusaders, um, through to Jean Michel Jarre, and, uh, nice. and so that was really the kind of key influences. Jean Michel Jarre was a, a big influence, kind of one of the first sort of musical memories I've got really of being about sort of six or seven and kind of like starting to like see you know seeing here Jean Michel Jarre and kind of going wow this is you know the future really guy the guy's playing music out of laser beams and stuff like that. <laughs> it's quite impressive and in fact the first album that i ever owned i begged me dad for which was the zuluk album by jean-michel Jarre, which is an incredible album which is like made up of um recorded language so different people speaking from like sort of you across europe inuit tribes stuff like that and then you know create a whole album where there's like a narrative coming from these kind of uh broken down kind of vocal sounds I quite like that I, 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 I've never been as much in uh, songs 
as I am kind of more than music. Yeah, yeah. So I will tend to sort of uh, more towards the instrumental side. Um, and even within like sort of genres where I do like, obviously like hip hop, you know, the, the message, the lyric is quite an important part, but it's still, it's the pattern that it creates. So I listen, I used to listen to a lot of like French hip hop and stuff. And I love the yeah. rhythm and the flavor and the flow of it. Didn't yeah. necessarily know what they were saying, but it sounded good. There's Ooh. a couple of tracks like that that are a bit hypnotic. You've got the one with DJ Guru who does it with MC Solar, yeah. and like he speaks in French, and God knows what he's saying. Well, no, the French know what he's saying. I don't know what he's saying, um, but just yeah, like not knowing it, but still being able to hear the flow and the rhythm in the different Solar, language yeah. and appreciating that's, that's awesome. Solar was one of the ones I, I first got into, and Alliance Ethnique and stuff like that. But I think even if you look at kind of like. Um, other bands or more traditional bar music that I like, I'll kind of say like from the indie scene, the band that really stood out for me, um, obviously the Happy Mondays, a bit of a sort of dance vibe, but the Stone Roses music, yeah, I really yeah. like. and I think if you listen to Stone Roses, I think why, what drew me towards them was that like Ian Brown's vocals don't dominate, it's not like they've recorded a track and then whacked vocals over the top, yeah. they've tread these vocals like another instrument, it blends in there, it doesn't kind of ride above it, it's sort of the whole piece flows as a, as a solid piece of music and I, I think that's kind of always been uh, had an appeal to me. I'm always a bit like that like I like to have you know when I MC I like to turn it down a little bit so that the music comes through more than what I come through I'm there to highlight what's going on not to be the main event and I think Ian Brown's like that. I mean, obviously, some of his solo stuff that he did is amazing as well. Yeah. A Fear's on my regular list of mm, ones that I listen to. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those tracks. The, the video all being backwards on the BMX as well, <laughs> uh, which is pretty cool. So, like, is there any, like, one artist track. or one track that, like, really stands out to you as, like, your early influence? I think, I mean, there's a lot of music I could refer to, especially in the early 80s. I, I had a lot of friends who were kind of into heavy metal. Heavy metal was a big influence. There's there's so many different genres and styles, but I think the tune that really kind of set us on my way, I first heard when I was eight years old, and I was going to a youth club, and a bunch of lads turned up in tracksuits with folded bits of cardboard, <laughs> a massive boombox, and started playing electro and the first tune that sort of like that I got to know was um Shaka Khan, I feel for you. Oh, it just it just immediately grabbed us and you know, it, again it just felt fresh and in much the same way that Jean Michel Jarre affected us. When I started hearing electro I was like Again, you know, it's like future music. When you hear something music. different, it's just like wow, this is just it's future music. It is and you know, it, it was for me, you know, the, the whole street soul thing, especially in the UK, was fantastic. It was, it was an element of familiarity to it. Anyone that had listened to kind of soul and funk and disco and stuff like that, but at the same time, you know, with the eight oh eights, with you know, the, the 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 patterns that were getting put down, it did feel like you were listening into the future. Mm. And this was like, this is exciting, especially, like I say, eight, nine year old, you know, going, wow, what is this, you know? Tiny little blaps, absolutely loving the tunes that are on. Absolutely loving it, wishing I had some money to buy a Kappa tracksuit. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, um, let's go with that one. So this is Sandy's early influence. Uh, and this is Hot Feel For You, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan, let me rock it, let me rock it, Shaka Khan. Let me rock it, that's all I want to do, Shaka Khan. Let me rock it, let me rock it, Shaka Khan. Let me rock it, let me feel for you. Chaka Khan, what you tell me, what you wanna do? Do you feel for me the way I feel for you? Chaka Khan, let me tell you what I wanna do. I wanna love you, wanna hug you, wanna squeeze you too. And let me take it in my arms, let me feel you with my charm, Chaka. Cause you know that I'm the one to keep you warm, Chaka. I make it more than just a physical dream. I wanna rock you, Chaka, baby, cause you make me wanna scream. Let me rock it, rock it.
classic, classic there from Shaka Khan. That's I Feel From You from the self-entitled album I Feel From You from 1984 released on Warner, Warner Brothers. Brothers Records. Um, Shaka Khan's just just one of those that sort of transcends time to me. Like she does, and she's. I mean, she's got a new track out this year that's amazing. It's yeah. been getting a lot of airplay. She's just constantly just such a beautiful voice. Yeah, that's it. Uh, a tune that was written by Prince actually as well. I feel for you, and and it was one of the first tunes that kind of got us into Prince. And I discovered more and more of these tunes that I was picking up on, going, "Oh, who's actually writing them? Yeah. Oh, it's Prince, you know." Yeah. So that was a big deal. In fact, actually, when Prince passed away, I I, I kind of put up a thing about how that had been such a big influence to us. Um, and Shaka Khan retweeted it, and Krista Glove, who was the DJ in the video for Shaka, the turntable, yeah, yeah, he actually got in touch, and we're now Facebook buddies, and <laughs> I get shout outs from Krista Glove, which you know, I mean, it, it just blows me mind because yeah. you know, like eight, yeah. from from eight year olds and looking up to all these guys, and you know, isn't the internet a wonderful thing? I think one of the things with Shaka Khan is obviously she was relevant back then in the nineteen eighties, and she's still sort of still relevant now well, even, even look at like 2000 was it 2007 she did that massive tune with De La Soul, De La Soul ain't, 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 no, ain't all good ain't all, yeah, yeah ain't all good ain't all that so when we did some work with De La Soul yeah when they did the 20th anniversary yeah. of uh, Three Feet High and Rising they came here yeah, and we actually got to work with them we did a graffiti project and we, we rein, reinterpreted uh, artwork from, from the album and got to sit, sit with them and chill with them really nice bunch of guys and they've signed my copy of that so but it's not it's, it's not framed yet because i'm waiting till i meet shaka khan i've got to have on her autograph on on that sleeve it'll that just complete that record won't it it nice. will amazing so we'll use that nice little thing into a segue into section two um so uh, after you'd been influenced early by digging through your dad's pile of records even the dusty ones at the back um when you started finding your own feet in the world of music what music was it that you went out and and grabbed early on well towards the end of the 80s i was kind of like picking up on lots of different bits and bobs but the stuff that got us really excited were were these mixtapes that were um, i was kind of sort of getting handed down from you know all the friends or so friends all the brothers it's definitely um, a reoccurring theme of like older brothers or all their siblings people's friends handing down, handing down tapes. Cassettes. yeah well, have we had have we had a podcast that we haven't mentioned cassettes yet? No, probably no, we not. haven't. No, hopefully we'll manage to get all the way through. That's we'll a big see. thing. I and I loved it. And you know, you, you had these tapes that you loved so much. You would wear them out, and you would like end up having to take the cassette apart, take the spools out, and then rehouse them in a new cassette box and screw it all down. Or if it got like jammed in a machine, maybe you're gonna have to splice it and yeah. use a bit of tape oh, to stick it back together. But that was, noise, the nightmare noise when it had jammed. <laughs> it. But, but what never happened was. A tape go, all oh, right, that tape's chewed up, throw it in the bin. Now that never happened. It was a tape. Always. If that tape, you loved that tape, it was getting fixed. Yeah. Or, no matter the, what. The hours I spent unspooling it and then yeah. putting it all back together and just make sure every bit was like just flush and flat. And then getting that pencil in to make sure it was nice and tight oh, before right. you kind of, yeah. We were saying you get the big pens, the old ones that are the exact right shape. You could spin yeah. them like a maraca around your head. <laughs> Um, so I mean that was a really big influence. I was getting a lot of these tapes, and I was hearing like bands like Man Machine, and you know, um, you know, a lot of stuff from, like from Havana, you know, people like um, Hooligan X and stuff. Uh, like that. Yeah, and these were all kind of like uh, big influences, you know. And I started again that whole concept of feeling like these tapes were almost like a window into the future, and you were hearing something. And the, you know, to put it in context as well for anyone that wasn't around at that time. 
there was nothing like it. This whole dance movement was something that was completely new and exciting. So your parents, you know, your grandparents, they, they had no idea. The terminology was new, the fashion was new. It was something that, you know, it was exciting to be part of. And these tapes and these tunes, you know, were just, you know, just phenomenal, phenomenal impact. Yeah, so what type of music was mainly featured on the tapes that ended up in your player? So, I mean, I, bleeps and breaks, bass lines, house, that was kind of what I was listening to. By the time we kind of like hitting 1990 and 91, we're talking war records yeah. primarily. Yeah. That was the label. Legendary label. Yeah, it's an absolutely monster label in the UK, war records. Obviously the home of Aphex Twin. Aphex Twin, LFO, Nightmares on Wax. Oh, yeah. Weirdly Maximo Park. Oh yeah, Love yeah. Well, and the first gig I ever got as a DJ paid was actually in Sheffield, and I couldn't wait to finally go to Warp Records. And you can imagine my disappointment as I'm expecting to walk into some kind of like cool basement kind of record shop that's full of people blasting out sort of bleeps and breaks, and to find out it was predominantly CD and uh, very much run by indie kids. It was like not what I'd expected at all. Yeah. all. Like still, you know, props to the label and the shop. It, it, it revolutionised the UK scene. It's still better than when I went to Rotterdam to, to go to Rotterdam Records and found out that it had been shut the week before and it was just the empty building. <laughs> Very disappointed. Yeah, man. That so what he's, uh, uh, again, the stuff that come through Warp as well, like um, the more bleeps and bassy stuff was the stuff that you were into? or Yeah, the sort of bleeps and breaks. I mean, again, like, um, you know, on the periphery, I was still kind of picking up on a lot of UK hip-hop. Hadn't really sort of started buying a lot of the US hip hop, although elements through the sort of street sounds and electro stuff that I was mm. listening to. So, you know, I wasn't unaware of uh, rap music, but um, a lot of the UK stuff kind of resonated a lot more. And so I kind of found labels like Shut Up and Dance yeah. and stuff like that. And, and it was just really exciting for me. And, and uh, of course, the Blabs Posse, you know, and, and yeah. these, these crews that were kind of you know, mashing it all together. So you had the acid house, you had the ragga thing. So you had the would you consider that hip house at the time? I wouldn't have called it hip house. It was rougher than that. Hip house is quite sort of clean yeah. and polished and all. I just said the ragga twins and you know shut up and dance and you know acts like that. They were they were more they were more raw. They were they, they weren't as quite as uh, uh, as clean as as the hip house. Stuff. Yeah. I think some of the hip house stuff actually I probably was was less keen on, even though I kind of right. still kind of followed that thing. There was like that raw energy, and you listen to sort of you know all that kind of East London kind of early stuff from sort of late eighties, very early nineties. It's just got a rawness about it that I loved. It kind of felt like you know at the same time as having that. Oh, this is you know we're looking into the future. It also felt attainable. Yeah, it felt like you know you could do this. You know? Yeah, the sort of stuff that wasn't overly produced. It sounded like it was actually coming out of the corner of your exactly. room, exactly, rather than yeah, someone exactly. who's been in a studio with all the padded walls and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally get that. I totally Made get with that. love, not money. Yeah, well, this is uh, this is this is this is like the key element of the the music scene, isn't it? Really, the ones who are in it for love are the ones that will stay longer than the ones who are in it for money. So again, um, if we had to round this category off and pick one tune um, for this section, you're finding your feet section, what tune are we looking at? Maybe something off of Warp? Yeah, we'd, I think we'd stick with Warp because that was a big label for us. Um, tough little unit where, you know, cracking, um, got quite a few tunes and it was hard to kind of pick really, but I guess I'm going to go with Master Plan because there's just elements of that tune that kind of demonstrate all the things I'm talking about, but also... It's kind of got that, it starts off with that whole um, mantra, you know, it's um, 
it's the music first, the genre comes second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful message. And so, like, you know, again, as a young person, very young, kind of finding my way in this music, that was a kind of one of those statements that stayed with us constantly, yeah. you know. And to this day, if someone says, oh, what kind of music do you play? I say, good music. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter yeah. what genre it is, you know. I think too much care goes into subcategorizing and genreizing music these days. That's you just there's that much splits in music scenes now that you can't have a genre five minutes without it being split into another five other genres. Yeah, it's 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 mental now, and I, and I can understand it to a degree, but it, like you know, I've got no objection to people kind of, you know, creating you know labeling stuff as long as that doesn't become what it's all about. You know, if it's a case of just if it makes it easier to find the tunes you're looking for in a record shop, then maybe it's not always a bad thing, but if that's all it becomes about and you know people just want to put everything in a box, then it, it starts to make everything a bit stale, really, doesn't it? Yeah. All right, great. Well, uh, that was category number two, and Sandy has picked Tough Little Unit, Master Plan. But for me, it's the music first. The style comes second. If we do set a fashion trend,
Right, brilliant. Uh, and as we said before, that, that was Tough Little Unit Master Plan. That's from the Join the Future EP from 1991 on Warp Records. That sort of sound just like it's it's still it still plays out too, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's also like you are saying, like it's it's very much that cut and shun type music that could be made in the corner of your room. It's like yeah. the very start of sampling, almost like it's definitely rave sampling where it's just, everything just it just feels nice. <laughs> yeah, that's Addy segueing in as well. You know, you'd, you'd think this was planned. Uh, so let's move into section three, Addy. First rave memories. However, you've got to have it. Just a, a massive amount in there, like. Well, I guess like um, so as we're kind of hitting like ninety one, ninety two, the resurrection uh, comes to Newcastle to the Mayfair, and a real life changing moment for me, really. So, ninety one, I would have been, oh what, fourteen. So it's kind of struggling to kind of, you know, am I going to get in? And you know, I'd managed to get into a few nightclubs yeah. around the town. constant fear. Am I going to get yeah. turned away at the door? Well, I was getting into like uh, the Roundhouse. I don't know if anyone remembers the Roundhouse in Gateshead back in the day. Oh uh, yes, I do actually. Um, well, so I don't. I've never been. I remember looking, seeing it from the outside. Well, that's the first nightclub I, I started going to, mainly because I could get in a thirteen-year-old wearing my school uniform. So <laughs> minus the tie, obviously, but you know. Love then, I love the heat, like I love the heat. <laughs> but, but back in the day, like mainstream clubs, that was what it was. It was dress pants, white socks, smart shoes, shirt. You weren't getting in in jeans and t-shirts no, no, and no. stuff like that. It was the rave and the dance phenomenon that brought that. In much the same way, the dance floors were totally different. You went to a mainstream club, late 80s, early 90s. You know, it was kind of like chart music, as was then. So, you know, rock and pop, you know, there was like different sections in the evening if you were lucky you had a cool DJ who kind of knew what was coming you might get a little dance half hour mix halfway through the night but other than that you're probably getting everything from, from Bon Jovi to yeah. Pet Shop Boys you know it was kind of it's a very much school disco go vibes. from something yeah. so so bad into something so good I, like, I just can't abide Bon Jovi but Pet Shop Boys are amazing <laughs> uh, uh, yeah yeah so, so like do you remember your absolute first rave yeah, I mean, Resurrection, that was when I finally started to get going. We'd kind of like try to sneak in a few times. Um, those that know will remember you could get around the back, you could kick the fire doors in. Uh, Not that we condone that sort of thing. And you no. could sort of run straight down <laughs> and you would be on the dance floor. Um, but I didn't get Mixed in the crowd before anybody. Before the doorman even knew what was happening. You were <laughs> with your hands in the sky and lasers coming down and it was all good. But now the first time I, I really got to go kind of with there uh, and do the whole thing. Um, in more ways than one, uh, was uh, January 1992 right. and um, Res 11. Who was on that night? So Shades of Rhythm with Oh, nice. And I think um, Top Buzz, um, <laughs> uh, Face. I don't know, I haven't got the flyer in front of us. I don't know, you know. For, for I'm, trying, I'm trying to think back because I had a lot of those old res flyers. Not that we'll, I'm, we'll have a look and if we can find the flyer, we'll post it in the comments. I'm thinking Nipper or someone like that. Well, possibly, actually, yeah, it might have been Nipper rather than Face. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Obviously, Bass Generator. Guy, big up Guy. And uh, Sneaky Eye as well. <laughs> big, up, big up Stan. Um, and, you know, and those guys, they, I mean, they were a big influence on me growing up. And I mean, me? I, so like like I say, sneaking into these clubs, 14, 15 year old, um, you know, <coughs> th those guys knew who I was, I'd been buying records in the shop, and you know, I, I felt safe, it, it still wasn't an environment where I felt that there was much danger, 
Um, obviously older and wiser you know that there was elements of danger there but for the most part I stand by that initial feeling that you know most of the people in those in those clubs or in these raves were full of love yeah well they were full of MDMA yeah. so, so by default they were full of love yeah. <laughs> full of that false bravado that comes with those lovely warm ecstasy jackets and I was actually in a heavy metal band at the time and uh, I kind of sort of come down and uh, I saw what was going on and I, you know I've been struggling for years to try and find you know what you know I want to do music what am I going to play your thing and I couldn't you know nothing really fitted I could play guitar okay I'd play a few bass lines I couldn't really struggle with keys I wanted to sing but I got really no one else wanted us to sing <laughs> and, uh, so I was really struggling to find my way and then I saw these guys on these turntables and I was like right this this I could do that do. So I sold my guitar and I bought a set of decks, Sound Lab belt drive. Oh yes, four channel Rock Lab mixer. Rock Lab though, there's there's a name I haven't heard for a long time. No, so I miss I miss I was like tempted to try and see if I could track one down. I did find one on eBay. Oh uh, yeah, maybe I'll still reinvest in one. But I had one of those little. Um, do you remember those novelty keyrings used to get with all the little sound effects on top, like a machine? Ah uh, yes. And all this sort of stuff. So. I thought it was well cool dropping all these little sirens and bomb effects. Oh, that sounds fucking awesome. Oh, no, no, that, that's the thing. I've been looking for an app with a decent air horn in. So <laughs> I still make a better one with my mouth. Um, so, like, on that first night, you're out in the dance floor. Are, are there any, like... Is Hands there, in there, full of pingers. Well, I mean, the standout moment has to be, if anyone who went to Res, uh, they'll know that they used to play the old Spice music. Like, <laughs> oh, Karma Karama. And I'd never thought, so, so I wasn't prepared for this, and I'm like, you know, I was, you know, oh God, how old, like, maybe he's 15, and uh, everyone I was with were, like, you know, 18 or older, yeah. and knew what they were doing, they'd been to a few. And this guy says, oh, you know, come on, come, come with me, right, let's get you up on the podium. I'm going, oh, you know, I'm just starting to get used to this idea of dancing in with 2,000 other people. <laughs> yeah. And I sort of remember getting pulled up on this podium. And anyone had been to the Mayfair, I remember it was kind of split level. So you had like, you know, the, the dance floor was on the ground floor, but then there was like another sort of sort of terrace level that went round. And uh, I was stood on this podium and this, this tune drops and everything stops. It's like time just stopped. Mid. and this this music comes on and all I can see is a sea of smiles everyone's just happy and then this green laser sort of came down and I just automatically instinctively just found myself reaching up and my hands were going higher and higher <laughs> and as I'm looking up I can see people above on the terrace looking down smiling and reaching and like you know just stretching trying to like make you know you know that uh, is it Michelangelo when God and Man made oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. just the, trying to almost just touch, issue, isn't it? Yeah. touch touch the fingers, you know, and just just an absolute standout moment. Just thought, you know, wow, yeah, right, I'm home. This is what I've been looking for. The whole thing, walking around, and every time you're going up a set of stairs, there's lasers scanning you. So it went from this kind of like listening to these tapes and thinking I was here in the future to actually all of a sudden I'd stepped into the future. I was yeah. there, and it's kind of like. You know, I was kind of living in a Terminator world with laser scans yeah. and the future of music was happening around you. Amazing. Yeah. So, and what tune was it? Well, the big tune for me, I think, that I'd like to pick from that era is uh, Night Writers, letting the music play. The '92 hardcore mix. Them. I mean, the original's a phenomenal tune as well. Yeah, the hardcore mix by NRG. Love NRG. So many absolute anthems. Like, yeah. uh, no, no, not there. Um, it's, uh, the 92 Hard Comics. The 92 Hard Comics. Ah. Uh, by NRG. Um, um, 
yeah, just amazing tune. It's got it's got it's got everything for me. It's got those like sort of trippy little vocals. It's got bass lines. It's got pianos. It's got everything that you could want. Just always brings back memories. There's so many good tunes from the time. Newcastle loved its hardcore, so it was like stuff like the Tingler, Smart Systems, all that kind of stuff. That I could have, I could have easily said, but for me, I'm gonna go for that one. Yeah, sound. Uh, Sandy's first rave memory, Night Riders. Let the music use you.
Go, that was Night Riders Let the Music Use You 1992. I believe the album, well, the label, sorry, was FFRR Freedom. Yeah, I mean, that was for the UK release, I'm guessing. That's the UK, yeah. Yeah, that's the, U- that's the UK one, and that's what I've got written down in any case. So, moving straight on from Rave Memories, we'll move into the next section, uh, section four. Festival Memories, isn't it? Uh, festival Fever. So, what music? What type of music gets you ready for some outdoor noise, Sandy? 
Well, I think so. For festivals, for me, the, the route I found into festivals was coming from the raves and the warehouse parties into the free party scene. Yeah. So kind of as we moved, you know, into the mid nineties now, um, I joined a sound system called the Hostile Sound System, and I spent a lot of time traveling around doing various like uh, free party kind of stuff on traveller sites and what have you. Um, all got cattled obviously when the criminal justice, justice bill. Yeah, um, um, fuck you Tories. Which was, what was that, 95? And I think 96 where I did the Newbury Bypass uh, protest festival uh, party. And we went down and they were building a big bypass just outside of Salisbury. Uh, and uh, um, initially we'd gone down um, earlier for the summer solstice and um, we'd pulled up at uh, Stonehenge and uh, the busies were just all over us. Oh. And it just said, like, lads, if you even step out of this van, you're all under arrest. So it kind of got shifted on, and then, like, one of the guys said, look, you know, there's these, these guys are sort of protesting this bypass, you know, should we go down, should we give them a party for, for a night? We're like, yeah, man, let's do it, you know. So we went down to this site, and, you know, it was quite, there was a lot of people living in trees, some people made tunnels, and people in tents, and they were just kind of, like, trying to stop the guys from digging up this, this beautiful, beautiful area to make mm. yet another motorway and we thought right yeah these are nice people let's get involved and so yeah this one night party ended up turning into like a three-day non-stop thing all the DJs we were doing like seven eight hour stints Whoa. on the decks by day three i was absolutely hammered and this guy just kept coming up asking if he could have a set but with my records because he didn't have any records and i kept saying you know obviously on your bike yeah but then by day three i was just like yeah whatever get on the decks, I'm not asked anymore, I need to go and lie down. <laughs> and we walked outside this this marquee we had set up in time to see just police pouring down from everywhere and all got shut down. We got I got caution under Noise Abatement Act. Yeah. And thankfully hadn't been behind the decks at the time because the young lad who had been badgering us to get on the decks the whole time was actually arrested. Uh, <laughs> even though he had nothing to do with the sound system. Oh, just, just by proxy. Just bad timing that I'd let him go on the decks and then he's one behind the decks when the police came in but it wasn't too bad no one got like properly done no we got all the equipment back but really it kind of sort of signaled the end of that whole sort of free party period and we started to move more into the festival vibe you had Glastonbury and stuff like that going on which had a really good vibe it was still kind of had that DIY kind of feeling and was right. still before it got commercial on the two fences that's it and then but then quickly as the 90s progressed i actually kind of fell out of love with the festivals i just kind of felt that they became very corporate and it was just a way of kind of trapping people and making sure that they bought overpriced bottles of water yeah. and hot dogs and stuff like that and highly just, sanctioned fun yeah and it just kind of felt stale you know for me festivals and parties what made them exciting there was a little bit of danger than there were a little yeah. bit you know you, people were throwing these things together um and that kind of all went it just became very sanitized and you know so i kind of fell out of love with it really when things all started being sponsored instead of yeah. having a bar it was like the orange sponsored bar and the, the stages were you know it was like the the the, the lost world stage oh, what do you buy or two everything was sponsored yeah. we did a few things outside of the uk um sort of like by sort of 97 98 i'm kind of like was kind of rolling with hidden agenda and the ocp crew we did a few sort of festivaly type things over in Europe. The biggest one was probably the Queen's Day event um, in, in Amsterdam where they have a big party to celebrate the yeah, Queen's it's birthday. It's unreal. Man. I took a photo from the stage looking up the dam rack and you cannot see anything but people. If you wanted to get from one place to the other, you had to wait 
for an ambulance and then run behind the ambulance because that was the only way you were getting through the crowd. Use the die-hard technique, like uh, getting behind just, and use the ambulance just, as a fucker. Just mental. But the UK-wise, the festival scene for me kind of died and I wasn't really interested. It wasn't until 2005 when I started working with a guy called Tom Robinson, a.k.a. Fridgeman, a.k.a. Raw Vibe. You know, soon. And, uh, you know, he really kind of, like, reinvigorated us. I mean, I wasn't even DJing again at this point. I'd had, I'd had, I was a single dad. I was just concentrating on studio work and trying to, like, set up projects and charity stuff. And um, ended up working with Tom. And Tom was like, no, man, look, you know, there's all this stuff going on. You know, people are loving the tunes that you love. You know, people are loving the drum and bass, the jungle, the hardcore breaks. And he persuaded us to go out and we started doing forest parties and, you know, stuff like that again. And that's when I started fell in love with it again. And then again, Tom was a key person in introducing us to events like Beat Herder. Yeah. And and then started to go and going, actually, do you know what? Started to realise there was festivals again that were out there that were about, you know, obviously people want to make money, but at the same time, they were about what the vibe should be. And that's just gone full circle because Tom has actually just played at Beat Herder, hasn't yeah. he? He just, like, he'd been fighting for years to get his set on his favourite stage at Beat Herder, and that's just happened. So, you know, these things are still actually rolling as is. Yeah. And big up Tom. Tom did a lot. Tom reintroduced me to a lot of rave as well. We ran a few raves down at the Cooperage when it came back for its, like, third or fourth coming before it was eventually well that's how I got to know you and you know you guys were pivotal in getting us back out there really when I had me when I became a, a single dad I was kind of like well do you know what I've had my time I've had a I've, you know the, the 90s were a fantastic decade for us I got to work with so many people so many of my heroes I've got to work with and I kind of thought right you know like mint box tick let's move on let's grow up and then I met all you guys and I was like, oh no, actually I don't have to grow up. No, no, no. <laughs> no. I, can, I can keep having fun. Just, just one keep thing, forever. Hardcore will never die. Yeah, we're, we're, like kids. we'll always be like that one. We're like, that's, we're still on the rave now and I'm, I'm 35 and... 41. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Uh, so 42 tomorrow. Well, oh, there we go. Happy birthday. There, you there, go. Go. there we go. So, um, when you were pushed back in the direction of festivals, what sort of thing was it that sort of you enjoyed at these festivals? So I think festivals for me, I like to think of, you know, sunshine, yeah. and crowds yeah. of people. Yeah. And when I start thinking that, I'm thinking jungle, I'm thinking drum and bass, I'm thinking them uplifting tunes, yeah. big heavy breaks, big heavy bass lines. Yeah, big popular, big popular hooks for everyone to sing yeah. along. Yeah, and that was always, for me, if I'm sitting in the sunshine, if it's a barbecue, I want to be chilling with some good hip hop. Yes. If it's a festival, I want to be listening to some drum and bass, or maybe some some stuff that kind of falls in between. I like uh, I remember actually mentioning Beat Herder, seeing a uh, Barack Hussein Stammer, there on on unreal. Yeah. Um, and um, actually, it was lush. It was the first time I'd got to take my daughter. It was her first festival. Yeah. As well, so she got to see them, and that kind of not exactly drum and bass, but they had that energy. You know, they had that kind of like just. They've you got know, that worldy vibe, don't they? They do, you just, but you've got to just jump to the music, you know? Yeah. You don't even have to have any sort of defined moves. You yeah. just It just makes you want to bounce. And to me, if you're in a festival and a good tune drops, what defines a festival for me is that moment where everyone's just together, just jumping, yeah. and it's just that kind of like euphoric wave of, you know... It's that moment when you're in a crowd of people 
and one smile turns contagious and goes to two, yeah. becomes 12, becomes a couple of thousand people all smiling because of the same tune that dropped. Yeah. Um, and th that's just something really cool about that. It's one of the things I used to love when I went to festivals. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit over festivals. I'm at the stage you were at a while ago. I like, I can't be bothered with tents and stuff like that, but I do sort of miss what, that vibe. What you need is Tom Fridgeman back in your life. I'm like I say, I'm 42 daily, and uh, yeah, I've struggled with tents now. I can do them for a night or two, yeah. but beyond that, yeah, um, obviously involve a Lindisfarne festival. That's right, yeah. Now. Speaking of festival moments, Lindisfarne festival, and, uh, I believe this comes out the weekend before Lindisfarne. So, yeah, so the, the last weekend of August, start of September, every year we have the Lindisfarne festival. We're into year four now, it's just growing and growing and growing. We had like 1,000 people the first year, 2,000 people the year after, three and a half thousand last year this year I'm expecting 5,000 it just keeps apparently going. the whole of Newcastle is going uh, it's I hope so you know I hope so it's it, it's a beautiful location it's an amazing lineup it's a great vibe but I'm with Gav on this one I couldn't do it in a tent uh, I have to confess that I now when I'm doing obviously as one of the organizers I'm there days before and days after yeah. everyone else so a camper van and electrical hookup does me the world there you go there those the, the little bits of luxury that i think i'm just too adapted to to go to festivals anymore i like i can't be bothered with slumming it on a deck and stuff like that i suppose if, <laughs> I, if i if i had uh, the influence that you had i'd have myself a caravan and of course places like bang face as well big shout oh, out to james you know yeah, again yeah. Thought, and, and the southport weekenders as well you know a different style of music altogether but that idea of being able to go with thousands of people and sharing that kind of experience and sharing that love of those types of music but doing it from the comfort of a chalet yeah, <laughs> yeah. even though the chalet in, in the very loosest sense of the word comfort yeah but still there's hot running water yeah there's electric and it's it's not it's not on the floor there's something the about floor. being able to charge your phone wash your bollocks yeah and just just generally be able to change without being doubled up, like being in a tent doubled over trying to put on another yeah, UV rig suit. Like, doesn't I'm like it. nearly 6'4, man. I can't get changed in a tent, man. It's not happening. Everyone's going to get out of the tent. Stroll up. And if you try and pull on a jacket, you end up twatting someone at the other end of the <laughs> tent. So, um, so we had to boil it down to just one song. It's got to be Baraka Som Sistema, really, just because it kind of that marked up a point in time where I kind of you know, I fell in love, but also not only for me, but also to be able to share it with the next generation, to have my daughter there. That's yeah, such a nice moment. As a, as a young teen, and for her to be able to kind of like go on, just to see that look on her face, and, and see her go, wow, yeah. you know, and, and she never having been in that experience before, and to see that energy, and again, just to participate in that bounce. Yeah, you know? yeah. So one track that maybe made you fall back in love, that you're happy that she fell in love with? Gotta be Hangover, for if I'm gonna pick one of theirs, it's just that ba 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 and I just love it, it just gets stuck in your head. So it is, you can actually, you can hear the smile yeah. creeping on his face, can't you? <laughs> like, you can hear it creeping across. Um, right, okay, amazing. So, uh, Sandy's Festival moment. Uh, ironically, this is Hangover. <laughs>
that was um, the apparently Angolan Baraka song Sistama Hangover ba 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 from the album Comba from 2011 on a record label that I just I don't even want to try and pronounce that. Like, uh, Enshu, Enshufada, you're going to butcher it. No matter what you do, you're going to butcher it. Oh, I've butchered it. Oh, that's definitely happened. Um, so we'll move on to one of my favorite topics. This is the shared discovery topic. Um, this is where we take a moment so uh, Sandy can share with everyone someone who you may not have heard of or someone that he thinks everyone should be listening to. So, Sandy, who should everyone be listening to? Um, right, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like a bit of a cheat on this one because it's not really a discovery in the traditional sense of the world, but rather someone that I grew up with and someone that I still to this day feels massively underrated. Um, it's a guy called Raj Panu. Um, a lot of people in Newcastle will know who he is, but surprisingly, Definitely. a lot of people in Newcastle yeah. still won't know who he is. Yeah. Um, and he was a big influence on me growing up. We're, we're roughly the same age, and when we were kind of sort of 15, 16 year old, we used to kind of like hang out together and play. He was a lot in hip hop, and so we used to go and sit and have little sessions and play tunes. I used to drive him insane by turning up with a bag full of Dream Frequency and stuff like that. And oh, kind of, nice though. Sounds, <laughs> sounds amazing. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, Raj. So, Raj, I mean, it in just, fact, I just. I'd love to see Raj Padilla play Dream Frequency. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, his missus would love to see him play Dream Frequency. Well, there we go. So, um, yeah, he's just he's a very, very humble guy. And so I think it's important that people like myself, if we get the platform to talk about stuff like this, we should talk about him because God knows he won't talk about himself. And he really should do because, you know, we, we, we started the journey together. But whilst I was quite happy just to be partying and I wasn't really ever taking things too seriously, he really took the time to hone his skills, you know. He took the time away, he, he, you know, he, he was approached it, you know, very sensibly, very sober and, you know, and he wanted to understand how the music worked yeah. and he dug into it in a far more intellectual level than I ever could or, or did or anything, you know. And so... There was a period of a few years where we weren't necessarily hanging around as much uh, and then kind of when we sort of reconnected the difference was astounding and to see what he could do and how he could put sets together now don't get us wrong there's some great turntablists in in newcastle i want to give shout out to you know dynamic sadika and peg so i believe he's already done one of these yeah he was on two weeks ago yeah so i mean you know there, there's some fantastic djs out there but Raj just really kind of, he always stood out a little bit for me because... Absolutely blew uh, my mind the first time I saw And the versatility of what he can play, how he can play, um, you know, and, and formats as well. I mean, this guy, you know, it was no surprise to us doing parties in the 90s when visiting acts, you know, like Cash Money and stuff like that were coming to the Newcastle. Yeah. And Raj would be the warm-up and they'd go, right, you're coming on tour with us. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't surprise us. We were like, that That should be happening all the time. Why is this not happening more often? Yeah. And it kind of felt for years and years and years. And, you know, even now it feels like he's the kind of, he's the musician's DJ. You know, those people who are really at the top level who understand music, they gravitate towards what he's doing. Yeah. Oh, um, a few years ago, um, <coughs> you, you may remember, I did a bit of a naughty party in a location in Gateshead and brought LFO, Jez Varley. Up. Yeah, yeah. And um, Jez, obviously, you know, LFO, wow, do you know what I mean? Talk about pioneers. Yeah. And when Jez met Raj for the first time, he, he was like an oil, he, he was doing the whole we're not worthy thing to Raj because of the old grey whistle twist, which was a 
piece of video that uh, the BBC commissioned Raj to make where he effectively did a video remix of all the old 70s stuff so there's like Budgie and uh, uh, Bill Withers and all this and, and, and Raj made a kind of like video yeah. mashup of it and, but it's you know it's it's unbelievable and, and his talent is so phenomenal he's got a few records out there he's done a few things obviously he was the tour DJ he was effectively you know um, a major part of Cold Cut for a number of years, mm. and again, there's you know you can't say Cold Cut without thinking huge UK pioneers. Yeah, synonymous synonymous with quality in the UK. And there was there was Raj the one doing the cuts, the scratches, all this live, you know, not just audio but video as well, and doing live video cut ups and stuff like that. One of the first person I ever knew to use the Pioneer DVDJs and stuff yeah. like that, you know. Um, and still pushing it forward with the technology he's introduced me to rumble packs and all kinds of stuff he's always looking what's what's the next thing that's going to like open up staying and, ahead of the curve yeah and just we're just so fascinated by music and you know uh, its application he's just always on the cusp of the new technology and i've just got so much respect for him and just find it like almost kind of heartbreaking how little a lot of people, a lot of the general public seem to kind of be about him, you know. He's he's got a long history of, you know, live music, DJ performances, and um, you know, recorded music. More people should be listening to him. He's phenomenal. Yeah. So if people want to actually discover some more of Raj's stuff, um, uh, where would you go? Yeah. Um. Well, he's currently got a track out on Me Me Me, which is the record label run by um, Man Powers. Um, who um, is based in Mexico, I think now, but is actually a Geordie originally as well. Right. Um, so Me Me Me, I mean, it's a great label in general. Check out Me Me Me. They've got, you know, the likes of Edmondson and stuff like that. I've all had tunes out on there. It's a phenomenal label. Raj has got a track out there on the moment called FSOL. You know, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant piece of music. Also, we've had uh, some of these tracks out through um, the Get On Method, my crew run the Dubtronic, you know, series for five years. There's, yeah. a, there's a few tracks by Raj on there that are really worth checking out. Um, there's stuff out there, but first and foremost, if you don't know the name and you want to know what he's about, get yourself on YouTube, search Old Grey Whistle Twist. Yeah, That's the one. I'm we'll going to go put, home and put that in. Yeah, Old Grey Whistle we'll, uh, Test. We'll put links on there uh, when it comes out. Yeah, Old Grey Whistle Test is one of those absolute... I just I love Old Grey Whistle Test and I can sit and watch that Bill Withers performance or the there's just so many amazing ones Edgar Winters and Focus and all of these amazing bands who like through the Old Grey Whistle like the Focus for example through the Old Grey Whistle Test they actually sold out of the entire like like run of albums that they did in the UK the day after Ogre Whistle Test went out, they sold out across the whole of the UK. Amazing. And a record, the record company had to shut down doing all of the other pressing they did and just press Hocus Pocus by Focus <laughs> because of the Ogre Whistle Test. Um, uh, and, and it's just one of those things that's phenomenal with, with British music, I think, mm. whispering Bob Harris going, amazing. Like, under yeah. his voice as well, which is another one of those ones. Um, yeah, so we've got a link here to one of Roger's songs via Bandcamp as well. So you can go to, to getomethod.bandcamp.com forward slash track, forward slash rag panu, and then the name of the track. So, Sandy, what track have you picked? I've picked Pamphilius. Um, it's, again, like, it's one of the ones that I was fortunate enough out of a, a selection of tunes that Raj presented to us, and I was just like, 
won that one. <laughs> and, and, and that's the one that went on the album. Um, there's other tracks by him on the other albums, but for me, this is the one. Cool. Well, this is Raj Panu. Uh, this is uh, Mr. Mudford Blap's Shared Discovery. Um, this tune, I believe, is from Dubtronics 5. Yes. Yes. This tune is from Dubtronics 5, he says confidently. Uh, this is Raj Panu, and this is Pamphilius. Yes, That was the shared discovery given to us by Mr. Mudford Blaps. And again, we'd just like to remind you that you're tuned in to the On The Rip. On The Rip! Addy, where can they find you? Well, everywhere. Well, not everywhere, not yet. Uh, iTunes is pending. Spotify. Couple more shows. Couple more shows. It's coming, it's coming. But uh, YouTube, On The Rave. Podbeam, On The Rave. Facebook and Twitter. Facebook and Twitter, yeah. On the rave. It's on the rave. Addy's just forgetting that he spams you all on Facebook and that Twitter. Constantly. All the time. Like, it's Addy doing that. It's not me. You recognise me. I sign mine with a kiss. Um, in any case, we're going to move on to section six of our little questionnaire. You'd never I, guess what, Gav. What's this? He's only got to play, play the wild card. Ah! Oh, Eventually, I will double get... Two and a wanna? Uh, two and a wanna. Eventually, I will get a little, like, not a real air horn, because it'll just blow up anything but uh yeah so this is the arms in the air moment this is the moment where a track is so good and you get two of them you lucky bastards <laughs> <laughs> but the track's so good that it's made sandy reach for the ceiling um, he was earlier as well he was exactly he was. like he's already been reaching for the ceiling not, in this not one. quite the ceiling but more of the upper Balcony of the Bayfair. You can tell I've got my right guard on the day, lads. <laughs> Amazing. So, Sandy, what sort of tune makes you just whip those arms in the air? 
Well, I mean, obviously, as an old school raver, yeah, you know, you can't beat a good piano breakdown. No, oh, you know I mean? we, we spoke so much about how piano, especially amazing. the first, the first two episodes. Yeah, yes. and I think like the, the the older I get, the more I kind of gravitate towards that because it's not just you know, back in the day it was the sound and the euphoria that came with it, but now it's the memories that come with it as yeah. well. So when you hear those old piano breakdowns, there's just like decades of love. Come, yeah, like rushing through the body, and you can't help but respond. So there's loads of tunes like that from back in the day. You know, I could like, I could be here forever, like yeah. listening tunes that make us tingle. Yeah, yeah. You know, they um, just there's one after another. They reel them off, and we spoke about how piano just it tickles you all the way to your spine and makes you wave it's your just arms. Lush, and, yeah. Just lush. There's it's good piano about... break, and it's just like ah. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you come like, with a good bass line as well, so you feel it, and you've got this like kind of double thing going on. Yeah, nice sound system. Oh man! I yeah. see you want the feels and the vibrations. In yeah, I want, I want my belly to rumble, and I want the hairs <laughs> to stand up, and I want the tingles to go right away up my arms. Ah, that's, that's the one. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so what sort of uh, what sort of track is it? You've you've selected two for everyone to listen to today. Um, uh, so why don't you go into a little bit about the first track you've selected? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, there was a wild card option there to be had, so I thought, well, you know, this was the section that I struggled the most with, trying to sort of tie it down just to one track. Yeah, I think I, we were the same, actually. I, I knew pick good, but I was very much, whoa, what am I going to do with this one? Well, I think because over the years, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm well known for playing the old school hardcore, and that is obviously a big love of mine, but, you know, also... What kind of gets forgotten sometimes now is you know how important dubstep and kind of that emerging scene was to me as well and what my involvement in that was so kind of like you know in, in the sort of late 90s uh, into the sort of early noughties i was playing a lot of like underground garage i was part of ammunition which was the crew that you know you know arguably were behind the birth of dubstep so there was like me i was the furthest north in, in the crew we had Oris J in Sheffield, we had Davy AKZ Bias in Manchester, right, um, and then Youngster and that down in yeah. London, and their youngster's sister Sarah, she was with EMI and Oris kind of linked us up with them. So I was getting all these tunes, you know, and then um, by the time I was doing stuff with Kiss FM, um, not on the radio, I was doing the events for Kiss FM. Yeah, um, was I was playing a lot of two step, but I wasn't really into the vocals. I was still it was all white labels I was getting sent, all promos. And every every record came with Vox and Dub, yeah. And it was and I liked the dubs, you know. And I and because I kind of grown up that culture of hip hop and jungle and drum and bass, I liked to work with an MC, and sort of play the sort of the dubs, was just it just felt more natural to me. It meant that my relationship with Kiss didn't last too long because they were kind of keen for us to play the vocals. They were also very keen on playlists and yeah. you know, all right, tonight we'd like you to play Craig David four times. And it just kind of got to a point where I was like, yeah, this, you know, it's got to be, you've got to be enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. Not yeah. just, it should never be just about making a paycheck. You can tell when something's a bit forced like that in music. Uh, so I kind of sort of stepped away. But, um, you know, I think the last kind of dubstep mix I did was around sort of 2008. But I stayed loving it and, and I love what dubstep did for production. I think dubstep's left its footprint across, you know, everything from kind of like EDM, um, to, uh, just everywhere, you know, and I, but again, why breaks and bass lines, isn't it? You know what I mean? That's what I love. Yeah. So I mean, the tune that I've picked to kind of reflect that area isn't isn't necessarily a straight up drum, uh, dubstep tune. It's 
maybe it's a little bit different than that. Maybe it's also kind of reflecting a little bit of my earlier days and in the 80s when I was kind of like loving electro and street soul. Yeah. I think this tune kind of encapsulates everything that I've talked about today, you know, from, from, from the jazzier elements to the breaks to the bass lines to that feel good factor. This is a tune that even now, I mean, just the other day, I was sitting on the bus with a random sort of like selection playing and this tune popped on and I found myself sitting on the bus like you know a middle-aged man and I got a little shuffle on I'm getting a bit of a boogie on the bus it's one of them tunes you can't help but move your arse to right it's a belter and it works as a warm-up tune when you get in the crowd there give people a bit of a flavor it'll get people going it'll get people excited equally you know as a closing tune it's a lush one to finish on it just brings it every time it's a phenomenal phenomenal track uh, and so yeah, I would like to go for my first option. Yeah. Two thousand F. You don't know what love is. Yeah, amazing. That's Kosh. Um, so this is the first of two tracks being selected. Two out of one. Uh, for Sandy, this is the first of his arms in the air moments. This is two thousand and F.
There we go, that's 2000F, you don't know what love is. Um, I had a quick look into that, that was released on an EP called Digidesign, you don't know what love is. The other side featured a track by a guy called Joker. Yeah. Um, and that is on Hyperdub in the UK. A Hyperdub, just a fantastic label as well. If you don't know them, check them out, Joker as well. I mean, God, what, what a 12 to have. You know those guys on either side. Yeah, banger on either side. The Joker tune on that one, if you're interested, is called Digi Design. Um, amazing. So the very nature of the wild card means there's another choice to come. Cards are there yet again. So for your double dose of arms in the air moment, what would you like to play? Uh, I, I get for your second arms in the air moment. Well, for me second one, and I've really kind of got to go to you know my first love, which is you know the breakbeat hardcore. Yeah. Uh, it's the kind of sound that defines me, I guess, as a DJ and as a performer. Um, and there's so many great tunes out there, but I really, really, really had to go for this one for a number of reasons. Um, it's zero B. Anyone that knows rave knows this tune, knows this EP. You know everyone from Slipmat to you know who you know the godfather of rave to, to every dj i would guarantee this is in pretty much all of their top tens it's an absolute anthem it is it's an absolute anthem and what a lot of people don't realize is it's a geordie anthem yeah you know a lot of people because of the sound and because how different it was to a lot of other stuff that was going on up up north at the time there's a massive presumption that this was kind of a london tune even you know even the guys in the game who you know were caning it presumed that this was a London tune yeah. and it's not um, Billy is a North East guy uh, he represents um, and he represents to this day um, he's a lovely guy as well he's really passionate about the music he's really passionate about you know uh, supporting people as well and he does a lot of kind of stuff uh, he's, he, I just can't rate him enough he's just a lovely lovely guy yeah um, and for years we've been talking off and on you know I've been really keen he's always been kind of part of one of them you know wish list you know, if I could put together a dream lineup, yeah, he's always been on there, but he doesn't play out. So it's kind of always like, this is a lineup that's never going to happen. But if it could, but it could, yeah. See, if I could have, if I could have zero B, if yeah. I could have DJ Seduction, it'll never happen. But but then lo and behold, this year things come together. Stars aligned. And yeah, so this year at Lindisfarne Festival for the Friday night party, we have zero B. We have DJ Seduction. Coming out of retirement just to play at Linda's. Well, Seduction only does a couple of gigs a year. He's really, really picky and he just loved the vibe of Linda's Farm. Obviously, a few people have already played there. He's heard about it. He wanted to get involved. He wanted to come down. And uh, Billy, again, just, you know, I've been blagging. Billy's also has a band that will be performing there as well. Um, Two of the water again. So, um, but yeah, it, it just, it has to be Zero B Lockup. It's just such a phenomenal tune. And I got so many great memories to that tune from the Raven days to too Ibiza, many. Yeah. you know, everywhere. It's a tune that just does it every time. Amazing. So, for his second choice for the Arms in the Air moment, here is Sandy's wild card. It's Zero, Zero B, B Lockup.
That's a fucking classic. Oh, there we go. That was Zero B, uh, Jordy Boy with uh, Lock Up. We were just discussing, yeah, that was actually released. Discogs was telling me 2002, but Sandy, you say it was more 2000, 1981 even. Yeah, I'm sure 1991 for the module EP, and I think FFRR with the sort of general UK release in 92, but um, I... Uh, I'm I'm no gospel on that, like so I might be wrong. Yeah, here's me thinking this uh, discogs would actually have the right answers. Um, no, no. So yeah, never mind. Bill, if you're listening, give us a shout. Tell us where I've went wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and of course you can all go and catch Zero B at Linden Song Festival, um, which is uh, next weekend as this comes out. If you um, see me on the floor, pick us up, prop us up against something. You'll be wrapped in an on the rave blanket. Yes. Actually, shouts to UEP. Actually, one of the first ever performers on the dance tent which was a new addition in year two and uh yeah Addy, you joined us for the 50 shades of rave i'm not sure if you uh, remember joining us for the 50 shades very of rave. very sketchily <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this man can dj in like any condition he can't he played an absolute blinder he played a few records too oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to be fair it wasn't my chosen uh, if i if i had some vinyl uh, i was 
that was the, probably the most nervous I've been DJing because I was just like, I've never used CGGs before in my life. Yeah. And then uh, someone filled us full of pingers while I was when I saw <laughs> fucking uh, hip hop array. Oh dear, amazing. So we're rolling on to category seven. This is the dedication section. Did you hear that? I got it right. Hey. I got it right. I got it right. You see, it's like all this mumble rap that comes out where it's just <laughs> mumble gaff. <laughs> 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 mumble mumble gaff. Um, DJs often get asked to play tunes, but don't often get the chance to dedicate a track to an individual. Clean, simple. Sandy, do you want to play a track for someone? I'd love to play a track for someone. I'd love to play a track for someone who I don't get to really play that many tracks for. Someone who's been a big part of my life for a good few years now and someone who's helped support us and someone without whom I probably wouldn't have the capacity or the courage to do a lot of the things that I do now so I would like to pick a dedication for my lovely wife Mrs Blaps oh you're going to play it right amazing um, so what sort of music do you listen to with the lovely Mrs Blaps well Mrs Blaps has uh, possibly one of the worst tastes in music of all time <laughs> worse than Addy's dad um, yeah it's got to be good someone so I am um, yeah. is she listening to Elkie Brooks like my mum and dad that, that would potentially be a step in the right direction <laughs> Um, she, she, she has, um, yeah, when we first got together, um, I just despaired at the selection of CDs in her car. <laughs> uh, it was just god awful. Apart from she had one CD that was really cheesy and awful, but for some reason it had Sound of Eden, Shades of Rhythm on. Oh, oh in the middle of the track. So that was like, that was on repeat. And that was very nearly the dedication tune. I was very close to saying, um, picking that one. Um, also, the first time we ever had an argument was at uh, Regeneration when Shades of Rhythm were on. Oh, right. That was our first ever argument, which ended up lovely, you know. You, you know, if you're grown up, you realise everyone argues sometimes. Yeah. The, the, the problem isn't finding someone that you don't argue with. The problem is finding someone that you can make up with. Yeah. You know. Bit of love and life advice from Sandy. We're all human. We're all going to fuck each other off at some point in time. You know, the trick is... Finding someone that you know you care enough about to make it right, amazing. And, uh, and I did, and so the, the the tune I would like to pick is uh, one of the memories from our wedding. It's actually our first dance. So oh, lovely! Nice. Right. Okay. So what what was what was the first dance? Well, the first dance um, was played by our wedding DJ, Mr. Mark Archer from Alternate. Hi, Mark. Um, and um, he played one of our favourite tunes together, um, which is Delegation. Oh, honey. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I had to listen to this and was just like, that. It's, it's such a lovely soul song. Nice. We wanted something, you know, you hear so many weddings, you hear a lot of like kind of soul music, you hear like, let's stay together and stuff like that, you know. Let's but, get it on. There's just too many, you know, I mean, beautiful, beautiful songs, but predictable. Yeah. And, and predominantly American. Easy choice. Yeah. So we thought, well, you know, we really want that kind of like, we really want that, that Marvin Gaye kind of you know, Al Green vibe. But without going for the obvious choice. Yeah, yeah, so delegation, you know, UK legends, you know, really kind of beautiful, you know, song. And uh, yeah, just the perfect one for a smoochy first dance. Um, and so, yeah, so I would like my dedication to be for Louise, AKA Mrs. Blaps, and I'd like to pick delegation, oh honey.
that was Delegation Oh Honey and that was the special dedication from Mr Mudfoot Blaps to Mrs Louise Blaps. It's a nice little moment. It's lovely, I've got a TRDR. We, not, we like to have these little moments, you see. Not only do we give you wisdom and complain about tapes every week. Every week. <laughs> but we'll give you these little moments as well. Um, speaking of moments and pleasures, it's, it's, that, it's that time again and it's time to start talking about the guilty pleasures in music. Um, Sandy, I know you love a lot of music. Is is there any of it out there that you've got a real guilty pleasure for? I He's smirking. You can't hear it, but you it. can see that massive <laughs> smirk on his face. I mean, again, I, I've got I've got to say, like, I've never took life too serious, and I never took music too serious. It's got to be fun. It's got to be bouncing. So there's loads of stuff out there, especially from when I was younger, and maybe a bit more innocent that I felt it was okay just to kind of like lose in, like lose myself in. So Marilyn Monroe in particular was a big thing for me as a kid growing up. I had a couple of cassette tapes and I absolutely loved the, you know, those songs. I can probably still sing most of the Marilyn Monroe songs off the top of my head and I know the lyrics. They're and not great. just Happy Birthday. Not just Happy Birthday, no. Um, but I think a lot of, um, a lot of kind of, possibly inspired by my dad a lot of the kind of sort of hippie era music as well i love um the woodstock cover that um matthew southern comfort done right. it's a big tune for me and one if I, you know i'm feeling kind of like stressed out it's one i'll go to i think it was uh is it jody mitchell who wrote the song um not was it jody mitchell um anyway the original it it's great, but it's it's the Matthew Southern Comfort version that I really love, and in a similar vein, um, Jimi Hendrix. I like a lot of Jimi Hendrix. If I'm again, if I'm feeling stressed or whatever, I kind of go cross uh, cross town traffic, um, soul food. These are all tunes that just kind of like just just mellow us right out. Yeah. Um, but no band more so than the Doors. Oh, um, I absolutely love the Doors. A part of my life, like, look, people who know me well know me this, part of my life where I actually thought I was the reincarnation of uh, Jim Morrison. Do you know, you're not the first person to tell me that. Yeah, like, it's like, apparently I'm, it's a common thing. Yeah. I thought I was so individual. Again, it's me just not being individual at all. The <laughs> guy I grew up with when we were teenagers was so convinced that uh, he just he, he, he actually began to look more and more like Jim Morrison and uh, would only answer to Lizard King. That's amazing. That was it, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, Jim Morrison, I mean, great guy, arsehole as well. Yeah, yeah, do you know what it is? I'm actually in the midst of organising a trip to Paris. I'm going with my beautiful girlfriend, Steph, to Paris, and one of the main reasons I'm going is is I want a picture of me next to Jim Morrison's grave. There's just something about... You can't tag there anymore, though, at all. No, 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 I don't intend... I try and tend to leave respectfully, you know, just with my photo and probably a lump in my throat. There's a lot of the music that he does that I just absolutely like. It still brings a tear to my eyes when I hear um, Running Blues. Yeah. Um, It's the the poetry of his lyrics. I mean, I mean... You can do a degree in it. I feel like I'm contradicting myself now because for the most part in your musical journey... The lyrics have kind of almost been less important. It's been about the rhythm. It's been about the the breakdowns. It's been about the bass lines. But actually, here here I am saying that you know one of my guiltiest pleasures is Jim Morrison, and you know whether it's through the Doors, whether it's his poetry, stuff like that. And actually, because of the language that he uses, you know, like um, he's poetic. It, it's it's just amazing the way how he describes stuff, you know, and it, it's kind of a. Uh, 
you feel like you're halfway between Wordsworth and Lovecraft. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like you feel like you're in this kind of like, like the 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 hall of the ancients. <laughs> yeah. Know? And yeah. that like that the great ones are looking down at you, and just the, the the language that he uses and the way that he expresses himself, and it doesn't matter what the setting, whether it's a really sort of like, you know, if you listen to the Doors, I mean they cut it. They cross, they cross a lot of genres within themselves. Absolutely, know? they've got like cowboy sounding stuff, yeah, and bluesy swing kind of stuff, stuff, and then they've got the more sort of soundscapey stuff like L.A. Woman, which yeah. builds oh, all the way up and I gets mean, orchestral. LA Woman and is phenomenal, but yeah, I guess for me the guilty pleasure, the one that I constantly go back to, is Ghost Song, um, and again, just the the it's you know even within that one song, the journey is quite phenomenal. To really kind of like almost dance grooves, yeah. To them, to kind of like ambient and and just then just spoken word and poetry, it kind of encapsulates all that. It's, there's not many tunes I can think of that kind of hit me on a number of levels, and uh, this one certainly does. Right, cool. Well, I I've got absolutely no complaints with this at all. Um, uh, this is Sandy's guilty pleasure. Um, it's something that I listen to on the regular. Uh, um, so this is the haunting but beautiful ghost song by the Doors. child my sweet one choose the day and choose the sign of your day the day's divinity first thing you see a vast radiant beach and cool jeweled moon couples naked race down by its quiet side Laugh like soft, mad children, smug in the woolly cotton brains of infancy. The music and voices are all around us. Dawn's highway bleeding, ghosts crowd the young child's fragile eggshell. 
We have assembled inside this ancient and insane theater to propagate our lust for life and flee the swarm of wisdom of the streets. The barns are stormed, the windows kept, and only one of all the rest to dance and save us with the divine mockery of words, music and flames temperament. Like I, I, I genuinely, for a part of my life, thought I was the reincarnation of Jim Morrison to the point where. Um, so with that. Uh, Twice, once. <laughs> it's like you can't have nothing for him, can you? I actually went and did a performance under the influence, thinking that I'd be able to do it better and channel him. Um, and I got an A star in that performance, and our band finished top of this battle of the bands. We've been predicted to finish bottom, and I full on channeled Jim, and this is exactly what happened. And that's why, as much as it's Sandy's guilty pleasure, I'm more than happy to play the doors on the On the Rift podcast. Um, we're winding down to the last couple of questions, so I'll just remind you once again that you can catch us on Twitter at the Rave, on the Rave, at On the Rave. There we go on Facebook, on the Rave, on YouTube, on the Rave with Addy and Gav. You can catch us on Podbean because we are powered by Podbean. And remember, like, re- review, and subscribe. Like, me. review, comment, subscribe. Falling over my words today, Gav. Well, 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 that's it. Yeah, we've swapped positions for this one. Um, right, we've only got two choices left by Sandy. We're going to roll straight on. It's question nine. Addy picked Lenny D. I did. I picked David Bowie. Sandy, who's your goat? Who is the greatest of all time? I mean, there was no even any hesitation for me with this one. I'm me too. We're, we're on the rave. That's the vibe we're on. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about my journey. Who's been the biggest influence? It's got to be Mark Archer. Yeah. Yes. He's already been name-checked in this discussion. And in every yeah. show that we've had so far. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and for so many reasons. I mean, first of all, music. Let's talk about the music. This is a guy who has been behind some of the greatest dance music of all time. Of all time. You know, obviously everyone knows Alternate, but then you've got like Nexus 21, you've got Bizarre Rink, you've got Trackman, you've got Zen Mantra, you've got the DJ Next EPs, yeah. you've got so much different stuff, you know, from House, Early Bleeps, you know, Hardcore, Jungle, yeah. Drum and Bass, Techno, you know, everything, Slow Motion, Bells in New York, York. what an amazing legend. tune, the breakdown in that. The hip hop mix on that, and if you ever get a chance to hear some of his hip hop production, phenomenal. I mean, this is a guy who grew up on hip hop and street soul, um, and it's our shared love of street soul that really kind of caused the friendship and how we got to know each other, and um, and that's why he was my wedding DJ. He played 
not an alternate set. He played all the street soul, electro stuff. You know, which is just perfect party tunes, you know. Yeah. And as we've mentioned in other podcasts, we recently got a chance to go to the 30th anniversary. 30th anniversary? Mm. Um, right here. Uh, right here, in the Sage. We're actually at the Sage today recording this. Um, and you managed to be, you were on stage uh, introducing the guy and bigging the crowd up, so. Well, yeah, I mean, that was that show was a labour of love for me. It was something I'd wanted to do for a while. Um, I'm based at Sage Gator. It's a phenomenal venue. Um, and I really kind of wanted to bring something different to the venue that hadn't been done before. I and mean, there's been kind of dance music events here, but what I brought to that event was the spirit of 91. Yeah, so it was a full-on rave. It felt like the Mayfair. Yeah, it did. To my, was, to my yeah. you know, I'm being on stage and getting to, you know, toast a little bit on the mic for them, also to DJ a little bit for them. You know, it was a dream come true. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Mark... Um, is a phenomenally humble guy. He is. He, you know, I mean, I've I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of my heroes growing up, heroes and heroines, and um, you know, for the most part, I would say they're all great people. You know, the people say don't meet your heroes. I've met some arseholes, but that's that's been the minority. Most people have been, but Mark isn't just a nice guy. He is just one of these people that literally will do anything for anyone. Yeah. He's, he's actually like he's not just a nice guy. Is the epitome of nice guy. He I is, think he is. He's he's just he's just got such a big heart. He's so humble, and it's just you know it it surprises me. Here's a guy who has played all the way around the world to some of the biggest crowds, dropping some of the biggest tunes, and yet you know you could be in a bar with fifty people and someone comes over and says, "Oh, nice mix, mate." He's over the moon, and he's just like you know he genuinely loves to make people happy. Um, whether it's by you know through the music or just by being a, a, an all-round good human being mark is that person and you know in much the same way that i picked raj is me sort of um discovery thing is here's another person that is too humble to shout about himself yeah and we need to shout about him because mark struggled for years with uh, when you know because he was predominantly known as alternate that there was a period of time where he wasn't getting gigs and i couldn't I couldn't believe it i was going but you're Mark Archer, yeah. yeah. You know how are you not getting gigs? Um, but he's just such a humble dude. You know he needs to have people. He's he's fortunate to have good people around him, including his missus. Big shouts out to yeah, Nikki. Love you, oh, Nikki. She is so good. Like big uh, shout out to the Jordy Mingers. An awesome human being, and the sort of person that Mark needs because Mark needs someone to shout about him because Mark will never shout about himself. Yeah. He's far too humble, uh, and yet like you know he's got a back catalogue that tells the story of my life. Yeah, I mean, we were, uh, again, just, well, we, we can't get away with doing one of these podcasts without mentioning Bang Face, but we happened to be at the Bang Face when Nikki and Mark got married on stage, and I know that There's you actually got to go to, to the, wedding. the wedding itself, didn't you? Did, yeah, I mean, an absolute, absolute honour to have been asked to do this, so like, you know, Mark was at my wedding, I got to be at his wedding, and then we got to go and do the the thing at the bang face in the evening as well, which was just phenomenal. And I think for many of you guys, probably the first time you've seen me actually dancing yes. <laughs> with my white gloves on yeah. in the midst at the front of the dance floor. Just, what you'll normally see, you'll normally see Sandy standing at the back of a rave, observing everything that's going on. But I'm normally at the back of the rave, panicking, making sure, oh God, was a cable missing? What's going on here? <laughs> How many people are outside? What's going on with them? Do we need to let some more cold air in here? Yeah. You but know. at the bang face, you should have seen it with gloves. He let the proverbial hair down, had the whistle in his mouth. It was uh, yes. it was magical moments. It was. It was a magical moment. So, if Mark Archer is your goat, what one tune would you go to 
for people who may not know who Mark Archer is. So this is the irony. It was very easy to know who my greatest of all time was, but to pick a tune by oh, him. One tune, one choice, yeah. tune. I mean, like, you know, so many of the tunes that were mentioned, you know, not to mention, I mean, Activate. Yeah. And, yeah. and Activate is a special tune for Newcastle as well because Activate, the Vicks Vapor mix, that's a shout out to the Resurrection. That's yeah. a shout out to the Newcastle crew because it was when he came to play, I think the Resurrection four or five um, was only like the second or third gigas alternate with the full boiler suits and the masks and they were struggling with the masks and then uh, as Jordy's filled the masks with Vicks as we did at the Mayfair mm. that was the done thing and uh, so that, I mean that tune's a special one uh, a special tune for the, any Geordie Ravers um, slow motion like we've mentioned before um, the 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 DJ Next EPs you know yeah. so much good stuff but um yeah, I'm going to stick with Alternate. Okay, and yeah. And I'm going to go with Underground, and I'm going to go with the DJ Next 8 to Late mix. Yeah. You know, fabulous tune, just from the very beginning. It just encaps encapsulates the era for us. Uh, I love it. It's Alternate. It's produced by Mark Archer. It's remixed by Mark Archer. It's 100% Mark Archer, and that's why I love it. Amazing. So, uh, Sandy's Goat, um, maybe predictably for people who know him, is Mark Archer. Um, that doesn't let us down. That's Mark Not featuring. At all. Not at all. That you've featured on all four of these podcasts, mate. I said, do, do. next time you're in town, Mark, you're a shoe in to come and sit down and have a chat with her, I think. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, this is Mark Archer, Underground, the DJ Next 8 Till Late Mix. Are you down with the Underground? Underground. 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 Are you down with the underground?
again that, 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 that's another Mark Archer tune that's an absolute banger as we said that's underground um, uh, I believe this is the well, we're believing we're trusting discogs again but that's from the everyday uh, the everybody remix EP from 1993 which was released on network records I would say that sounds that sounds on. on yeah you know they can't actually get it right sometimes it sounds like on this uh, on, on this uh, discogs website um, we're down to one lads last one yeah we're down to one so, uh, this is the last section. This list of choices has been selected by DJ Mudfoot. DJ Mudfoot Blaps, Mr. Sandy, who's sat across from us now. And the closing question we always ask is, Sandy, what's your personal anthem? Yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer for me, really. It's got to be LFO, LFO. And back to that label warp? Back to the label warp. And again, it's a, you know, it's a question that gets asked a few times, and it's... Uh, People are saying, like, you know, what's what your go-to anthem? And I think it's got to be this for me. It, it's such... It's as near-perfect tune as you can possibly get. It is phenomenal. It's as... And, and, you know, if you play it in a club now, it still, still cuts off, it, you yeah. know? It's still cut. It, it's just so ahead of its time. Uh, 
and and just just a perfect piece of music. Um, it's one that like not only means something to me, but over the years has grown to be a tune that people associate with me. I'm not quite sure why. It's not like I don't really play it out a lot in my sets. It's more one that I I have for home listening, one a tune that I, I love to listen to rather than play out. But so many people seem to associate with us, and then you know. Um, friends that I used to go apart you know with I won't see for years and they'll be in a rave somewhere and that tune will drop and the next thing I know I'm lying in bed in Gateshead and my phone's going and someone's like ah oh, man Sonny listen to what's playing and it's always LFO <laughs> so it's by default it's kind of become a tune which people seem to associate with me and now I associate with me as well just yeah. because of that fact and it's it's amazing um, never got to meet Mark Bell, rest in peace. Um, but I've become good friends with Jez. Um, so I have a signed copy of the Twelve. Oh, nice. Uh, which sits above me turntables. Um, yeah, you know it's a really special tune. I don't think anyone can fault it, and if they do, I'll beat them up. Way there we go. Threats of physical violence from the work I hear. Um, so Sani, it's been an absolute pleasure yeah, having you on the On the Wave podcast. Um, if you're listening as this is going out Sandy's going to be are you going to be performing at Lindisfarne Festival I'll be joining in with the shenanigans for sure maybe doing a little bit of painting doing a little bit of DJing and also joining the Fifty Shades of Rave farm for a closing set on the Friday night right nice. amazing so um, if you make your way up to the Lindisfarne Festival go and try and find the Fifty Shades of Raid, uh, Rave it's the High Tide dance area we'll be running that for two days we'll also go. find us in the Circle of Inclusion with the Detox crew and Big shouts to Earl Grey. Um, He's doing a lot of work. Like, lot oh, of work. I mean, Earl Grey is you know is an absolute legend. Um, someone that I've got to work with in recent times, and you know. There's, there's not many events I'd like to do without him now he's just he's, he's definitely somebody one. who will will be getting on the podcast he's another humble one Richie as well isn't he he's a humble guy and the thing is what what's what's one of the best things about him he looks like Sideshow Bob is, is, is if he <laughs> <laughs> well no he's he's, he's, he's like, so yeah. off yeah. now but I like I'd like to but he's one of them people anymore. if he says he's going to be there oh, he and will. he says he's going to do it he will be there and it will be done and you can guarantee that his word is his bond yeah. and I love that in the guy amazing cool so um, these have been the choices of Sandy Mr Mudford Blaps this is his personal anthem this is LFO L-F-O we're hey.
Amazing. So once again, thanks everyone for tuning in to the On the Rave podcast. On the Rave guy over to the left here is Addy. I've been Gav. Hi, Viz. And as always with the On the Rave podcast, we are going to close with something scientific for everyone. So. From Addy's scientific bag of mischief, what's mixed up in the text tubes? I'm not going to fuck around this time, like, because we've got time is precious. Yeah. And it just hit you with a fucking scientific sonic spam hammer of a fucking tune. <laughs> it's mixing a bit of old school with a bit of fucking banging forward to the floor and some breaks by one of the, the most progressive DJs of, well, I've known him for a long time. But um, his his new productions are just out of this world. And check out his um, his album on Prospect. Um, it's uh, Moby Go the Dolphin Remix. Ah, amazing. Slamming. Uh, that is actually available as a free download at the minute via the Prospect Recordings. You go onto the YouTube page and uh, you can and get it for free. On the flip side of it, it's, it's his remix of Moby Thousand. So there we go. So, this has been the On The Wave Podcast. We are saying goodbye until next time. And we are officially off the rave.
Let's <laughs> go.